0: If you got your Bibles today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. What we're doing in this sermon series is we're looking at the words of Jesus. In Matthew chapters 5 through 7, is the longest recorded message that Jesus gave. So, of all the, the talks that Jesus gave from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7 is the longest message that Jesus gave. And so this is called the Sermon on the Mount. That's what a lot of like theologians and scholars call this text that Jesus gives us, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And in my Bible and in also probably in your Bible, the letters that Jesus says, so if it's like just something that you know, the, the Bible is just writing in the Bible. It's usually in black ink, but in, in the Bible, when we see quotes from Jesus, those are in red letters. And so as we're looking at Jesus's longest recorded message to us, we're calling this series Red Letters. And what this is about in Matthew, the book of Matthew is about the kingdom of God. We all want to get to heaven one day, right? We all want to get to heaven. We all want to see Jesus. We all want to have uh, every, uh, the Bible talks about how every tear will be wiped away, where there'll be wars no more, where everything, all that's wrong with the world is going to be fixed. We want to get there. That's cool. But what Jesus says and what Matthew's message is for us is that in the person of Jesus, when Jesus came to the earth, in his person, the kingdom of heaven is here with him. And so we as Christians, we don't just wait for something that's coming. We can live in a kingdom that's already here. We can participate. We can do God's works. We can be led by his spirit in today. And so that's really what this is about. And so Jesus is bringing this good news on the Sermon on the Mount. And he's telling us as Christians, as people who follow him, how we should live how you and I should live. And he tells us that we're, we're to be salt and light. And we, we've, as th- through this series, we've learned how he teaches us to pray. We've learned how we needed to love our enemies. We've learned how to forgive other people. We've learned all these things up to this point. And we've spent all of this time seeing how Jesus tells us that we should live our life out. But in our reading this week, we're going to see how Jesus connects how we live in the here and now to the kingdom that's coming. So there is a connection. It's not just two separate things, you know, where there's heaven and that's coming, and then there's us, you know, kind of living for Jesus now, and it's just two separate things. No, those two things are really intertwined, and they're connected, and Jesus is going to do this in our passage today. So let's read Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 24. Let's see what Jesus says. Do not... will be also the eye is the lamp in the uh, is the lamp of the body so if your eye is healthy your whole body will be full of light but if your eye is bad your whole body will be full of darkness if the light in you is darkness how great is that darkness no one can serve two masters, for you, for he, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the passage that we're going to look at today, and we're going to kind of break this down, and we're going to see what Jesus means by this Today, it's interesting. Uh, you know, last week we looked at Matthew six, verse sixteen through uh, sixteen through eighteen. And as we've been reading through the series, I just want to congratulate you guys. Like we've literally read every verse as we've been talking through the series from Matthew chapter five up until this point. And so, as we got to this point last week, we looked at verse sixteen through eighteen, where Jesus instructs us on the ancient spiritual discipline of fasting. This isn't like the new intermittent fasting or fasting for your doctor like we talked about last week. This is like I'm going to stop and input into my body to focus on Jesus, my source. I'm going to say, God, you are my source. I'm going to focus on my source. It's interesting, immediately after Jesus talks about fasting, that, that, that discipline of stopping an input, whether it's food or social media or TV or whatever it is, stopping that to focus on my source, it's interesting that Jesus, when he talks about fasting, he makes a couple statements about money immediately following. All of our Bibles, as we if we look at our Bibles and we're looking at them, they're broken down into chapters and verses, and many of our Bibles have subsections. Like in my Bible, this is the English Standard Version that I'm reading out of. In this, there's sections, and so the section from last week was called uh, Fasting, that was the name of the section. And this week, verses 19 through 24, it's called Lay Up Treasures in Heaven. But when Matthew was recounting Jesus' message on the Sermon on the Mount, when he was writing all of this down, he wrote it down just in order. There was no chapters and verses or subsections or anything like it was just like a like someone who'd written you a letter. So it was all like just together in, in one idea. And so this idea of like like okay, we're talking about fasting and then we're going to talk about something completely different in money. No, that's really that delineation is something that we added later to make it easier for us to read our Bibles. But but really Matt, Jesus is just pulling everything through. So when Jesus talks about the spiritual discipline of fasting and acknowledges God is our source, and he says to do this thing in secret because God's going to reward us, then immediately follows it with statements about money, I believe that the hearers of Jesus's message would have been tracking with him. Because for a lot of us today, maybe it's us in this room, maybe people who aren't in this room, maybe people you know about, right? Maybe their, their idea of their source is money, if I have enough money, then I get to do what I need to do. If I have enough, if I can just get enough, then, then I can make, if I, if, 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 if I had more money, then things would be better. Have you ever thought about that? I have. Just live a couple of weeks where you don't have enough. And you'll see, like, like man, if I just had a little bit more, that'd be But money is not our source. God is our source. And so Jesus, like, talks about these two things together. So what I want to do is I want to go back, and I want to just kind of break down really quickly what Jesus says. Just break it down into sections, and we're going to talk about it. In section, so verse uh, nineteen. Let's go through twenty-one. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth or rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, uh, where, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus here is talking about two different places. Places. There's there's what's happening here, the stuff that we can feel, taste, touch, all the stuff that is in our senses, like this this earth right here, this world, he's talking about that. And then he's talking about there's a life to come. There is heaven to come. There's an eternity to come that we're going to participate in if we follow him. And so he's making this, this delineation of, you know, don't just live for the here and now. Don't just lay up treasures. Don't just invest in what you're going to get here on earth, but live. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. There's a world that is going to come. In 1 John chapter two, verse 15 through 18, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Children, it is the last hour, and it's, as you have heard, that antichrist is coming so now and and so now many many antichrists have come therefore we know that it is the last hour growing up I thought the Antichrist was like a person, you guys, some of you guys might have learned this, and, and it was like this boogeyman, you know, that was coming at the end of time, and here John kind of echoes that, that there's someone like that that's coming, but but what we also see him say is many Antichrists have come. Antichrist is understood as the adversary of Jesus, the adversary of the Messiah, the adversary of Christ, and if we read like in Revelation, this is shown as a single person, but John says here, and John also or a revelation that many have come. And as he's talking about loving the things of the world, and, or loving the world, we understand that, the, that this love is not only competing with Christ, therefore it's antichrist, but it's also drawing our attention, drawing our affections away from God. And so anything that is drawing your attention, drawing your affections away from God is anti what God is trying to do in your life. Do you see how this works? And so if God is trying to do this in my life and as God is trying to lead me and God is trying to shape me and God is trying to make me more like him and God is trying to deliver me from my past and God is trying to do all these things in me, whatever is coming into my life that's drawing me out from that or that's drawing me away from that, that's pulling my attention away from from that, whatever's doing that, that in, that in and of itself is anti what God is trying to do in my life. And so there's this idea that again, there's this, these two things that are fighting against each other for our attention, two things that are fighting against each other for our affection. There's what God is trying to do. And then there's what the world is trying to do. In Galatians uh, chapter five, Verse 16 and 17, Paul says it this way. But I say walk by the Spirit, the Spirit of God, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So what you just naturally wanna do, what's your pride, what's your arrogance, like what's in it for me, like th- those type things. You're not gonna be lived to gratify those desires. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, but the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They oppose each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do and so there's these two ideas of the world and of heaven of the spirit and the flesh of these two things that are always at war against each other and we need to know that we need to know that as we're looking at where am i doing to invest my life where's getting my attention where what what is getting my affection we need to understand that jesus continues in matthew chapter 6 verse 19 The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Then uh, the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? It seems weird that he would change subjects here. Like he's talking about money, then he's talking about eyes, and he's talking about light and dark. This just seems like weird. Like what? Where's what are we? What are you trying to say here, Jesus? Let's track with him. I propose that we 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 read this context as the eye as like just for, from the what draws our, our affection, what draws our attention. Later on, he says, "Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." And so, your eye is going to be directing you. Your eye is going to be what draws you. And so, it's almost like a a horse, you know, with a bit, you know, wherever, wherever that horse is going to go, the rest of his body is going to go as well, right? And so as our eyes are being drawn to whatever we we want our attention to be on, whatever our affection will be on, our whole body, our spirit will follow that as well. And so what Jesus is saying is be careful what your eye is drawn to. Be careful what your attention is on. Be careful what you're focusing your gaze on. Be careful what you're, uh, what, what you're giving your, your time and your affection to. Be careful because what you do that you're your whole body will be drawn there as well so our relationship with money can be an indicator and as he's talking about this and he's talking about you know our eyes and money and these whole things that tied in together our relationship with money can be an, a key indicator not only of the current state but the future state of our discipleship if you think money is your source then and god's not your source if I need money to make me happy and God's not going to make me happy, this is what's happening, then guess what? You're not following God like you should be. If your attitude is, God, I'm trusting you for my eternity, but not for my bank account today, then do I really trust God at all? No, it's like all in. It's like, God, I trust you for everything. I trust you for to be my source, to make sure I have money, to pay my bills and do all this stuff, but I also trust you for my eternity. I trust you for everything. Therefore, we need to serve God with all of us. If God has me in the palm of his hand for eternity, then he's got me in the palm of his hand for that rent check that's due next month. Like God has got you. God has got you. You don't have to serve two masters as what Jesus is saying here. You can lay up treasure in heaven. When Jesus is talking about laying up treasure, a modern activity that that we 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 wouldn't say lay up treasure, you know. Uh, what is your four hundred one k account? Oh, that's how I lay up treasure. Like that's not the word we would use. Like we we wouldn't say that word. We would say something different. What would we call it? We would call it investing, right? We would call it investing. I I have a four hundred one k. I invest. I, I like I like picking stocks and doing those kind of things. That's that's kind of fun, right? Like I enjoy that. Uh, and and that, but that's that's what Jesus is really talking about. Is we can make an investment. In eternity, we can make an investment in today, but we can also make an investment in eternity. We can care about what's, what, we're, what we're gonna have today, or we can care about what we're gonna have in eternity. We can make an investment in our Eternity. Some of you in here, you may know a lot about the stock market, and you may know a lot about investing. I am certainly no expert, but there's two types of investing that I, that I know about. One is like traditional investing. This is when you gradually build up shares in a company through careful, planned purchases of stock over a very long period of time. You're not going to gain tons of money real quick, uh, but but the the measured approach helps mitigate the risk of losing money, and over time, your right investments will grow. The, the, this type of investing, this traditional type of investing, traditionally, it, it brings returns that I'm looking for in my future sometimes long in my future. I've got a 401k account. I just turned 40 uh, last week, and I can't touch it until I think I'm 65. I think that's the rules, right? So, like, you can't do it until a long time from now, like, and so it, that's, and some of you guys are living now where you can finally touch your 401k, and you're like, yes, you know, but uh, but th- that's just how it is, and so you invest with, with something that's going to be in the long future, like I'm waiting, and for a lot of us, the longer we wait, the more our investments will grow, right? That's how it's supposed to work. Work. It's supposed to work. The longer we wait, the more our investments will grow. And so, this traditional investment of like, I'm living my life, I'm investing for the long term, I'm investing for what's gonna come, I'm investing for what's gonna happen tomorrow. That's the traditional way of doing it. The other thing that's popped up in the past couple of years, some of you guys might have the app Robinhood, have you guys heard of that? It's called day trading. And what they found out about day trading is in even the SEC, the, the people that, the government agency that oversees like investing and stuff like that, they don't even call day trading investing. They're like, this is not the same thing. It's not the same thing. When you, this is when you buy stocks frequently, sometimes in the same day. The main... Uh, Interface, uh, even of the app Robinhood that I was talking about, it will tell you like a, one of the main things in there. It'll say, well, like, these are the stocks that have grown fifty percent today, and these are the stocks that have declined fifty percent today." And you see like all this movement, and the idea is that people are buying and selling, buying and selling all throughout the day. Meaning that if if it grew fifty percent, if I put a hundred dollars in today, at the start of the day, by the end of the day, I'll gain a hundred. I'll have a hundred and fifty dollars. While this might sound more appealing, the instant gratification way of investing is extremely risky and many stocks lose as much as they gain, if not more. A study in Taiwan showed that day traders beat the market less than 1% of the time. So if you just took your money and you just put it in the market, you let it grow with the market, or if you like day traded, day traded, I'm just going to try to get a quick buck, you will beat the market less than 1% of the time, and 80% of the time, you're going to lose money. This type of investing is hoping for an immediate return today. It's it's hoping that I get returns right now, but you only win 1% of the time, and negatively, you lose almost 80% of the time. Why is it important for us to explain this difference and what does this have to do with what Jesus says? Because many of us are living our lives day trading. We're living our lives looking for instant gratification, instant reward, instant appreciation, instant applause, that instant dopamine hit, that instant congratulations. We're living our lives wanting our pride to get massaged today. And if it doesn't get massaged, then we get all offended, we get all tied up in a knot, and, and we get all upset. But what we should be doing is we should be laying up treasures in heaven. We, don't, we live in a system that, that really is, is designed for us to be gratified today. It's designed to feed into those impulses. It's designed for that. Oh, you can't afford it? Fine. Don't worry, just open an account with us and we'll give you 20% off your purchase today. How many times have you been told that? Like, yeah, that's, that's fine. In the third quarter of 2020, Americans were carrying $750 billion in outstanding credit card debt. $750 billion, that's a third of a trillion dollars. I looked it up last night, that's like twice the GDP of the country of Denmark. Americans are carrying a credit card debt. What does that mean? That's instant gratification. That's give it to me now. If we live for today, Some of us live for today so much that we will rob tomorrow to pay for today. You ever felt like you had to do that? That's really what debt is. I got to pay for it later. Can't pay for it today. I got to pay for it later. And so for us to start living like Jesus teaches, to store up treasures in, in heaven, not just 10 years from now, but treasures for eternity, we have to learn how to keep our appetites today in check. We have to learn how to say, you know what? The, what 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 is not? This is not good for me to do right now. I don't need instant applause. I don't need instant gratification. I don't need this. I I need to invest in something for the long term. I recently had a uh, had this. Have to pre. I had to preach this message to myself. I'll just say it that way. I had to preach this message to myself. A lot of you guys know my, my little six year old curly haired blonde haired six year old. Uh, my wife and I. My wife and I. She was like, I need to go get some clothes. I'm like, okay. Need some for work. I'm like, all right. Well, there's an outlet mall in Glendale. Let's go. So we went to the outlet mall. Sales. Yes. But I don't know about you, if you've ever tried to take a six-year-old shopping with mom, like, like six-year-old can't hang. Like six-year-old can't hang, it's just not, it wasn't good. And so I was like, Zoe, there was a Cabela's across the street, some of you guys know about Cabela's? It's like Bass Pro Shop, right? So I went over and I was like, Zoe, let's go to Cabela's. And we're like, okay, so me and Zoe just go over to Cabela's. And I let it slip out of my mouth that dad really wants a boat. Like I, I would love to have a boat. And so what in her six-year-old brain, that immediately translated as, dad wants a boat, we're in a boat store, we're getting a boat today. Like that was what, like, what was in her brain. And she was so mad and so disappointed when we walked out of there and we didn't have a boat. She's like, dad, what do you mean? We're not getting a boat, why are we not getting a boat today? But I had to be like, no, baby, like this is not what we need right now. This is not what me and mommy need to be doing. This is not what we need to invest in. Like, and so I had to explain that to her. Now, is it bad to have a boat? No, I can make a biblical case that Jesus' disciples were fishermen and all of them had a boat and so therefore it's okay for me to have a boat. Like I can make that case, right? But it's not a good, and it was not a good investment for my family at the time because we need to store up our treasures in a certain way. You see what I'm saying? I could live for that instant gratification. I could live for what do I want right now? What, do I feel? what would make me feel good right now? What would make me feel happy right now? What would make me do? But in that case, like I, I would be robbing from tomorrow. I'd be robbing from tomorrow. And so I have to learn how to wait and I have to learn how to do these things. Is it wrong to have things? No, it's not wrong to have things. Again, Jesus' disciples, they had boats just waiting for it right (laughs) but it's not wrong to have things the problem that our country has the problem that our society has the problem when we're talking about laying up treasures in heaven or laying up treasures here the problem that we have is not that we have things it's that things have us things have us and so we have to look at it and we have to say, you know what, I, I, don't want, I don't want to be led by that. I don't want to be controlled by that. I don't want to give my affection. I don't want to give my attention to that. I'm going to be, put my affection on the things of God. I'm going to put my affection and my attention on what God wants me to do. Matthew 6, verse 24, Jesus wraps up this idea with this statement. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The word money here that Jesus used is, is really the word mammon. That's the, 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 the word that he uses in, in his language. And what that means is not just like coin and paper. What it means is wealth. You can't serve God and wealth. Wealth is a terrible master's, but you know why? Because it's subjective, it's subjective. It's so so subjective. If every single person in this room, some of you in here today, you might be like, man, I've got like, I'm I'm getting paid this week, but I've got like $5 in my checking account and we're gonna get through it. Or you know, like that might be you today. Or you might be like, man, I've got a, I've got a pretty good savings in my checking account and my savings is doing pretty good, we're doing okay. Like that, that might be you today. Wherever you are on that spectrum, if you compared yourself to, let's say, someone living in a third world country, you would be incredibly wealthy. Americans, All of us here are incredibly wealthy in comparison to someone living in a third world country. Now, some of us in here today, we might be like, man, if uh, someone had $2 million in their bank account, just picking a random number, $2 million in their bank account, they would be really wealthy compared to me. That might be how you say. And then there's someone with $2 million in their bank account, they would look at Jeff Bezos, $200 billion in his bank account flying up to space and be like, man, uh, that's wealthy for me. And so wealth is like this thing where like, when is it enough? When is it going to be enough? It's subjective. It's what what I might be wealthy compared to someone else, but they might be wealthy compared to me. It's enough is never going to be enough because there's always more to get. And so if I choose to serve wealth, I'm choosing a bad master. I'm choosing a master that's going to tell me that it's never enough. That the bondage that I'm in to that master, I'm never gonna get out of. I'm I'm gonna have to keep serving it. I'm gonna have to keep doing whatever I can do to to get whatever it is that it says it's gonna give me. I have to do that. And that's why Jesus says you can't serve both God and wealth. Because wealth is gonna say, I can be your source. Wealth is gonna say, I can give you what you need. Wealth is gonna say that, but it can't. Because it's nev- enough is never going to be enough. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And so when we're looking at today, laying up treasures in heaven, when we're looking at today, not, not laying up treasures here on earth, when we're looking at it, the question for us today is what are we serving today? Are you serving yourself? Are you serving your own desires? Are you serving wealth? Are you serving the, the, that the, the, if I get more, if I gain more, if I buy the right thing, if I buy more toys, if I do all this stuff, then I'm gonna finally be happy? Is that what you're serving today? Is your, or is your attention divided? Are you saying, yeah, I'm gonna serve God, I'm gonna do that, but, but if I had all this other stuff, it'd be, it'd be really nice too. What are you serving today? And the other question is, are you day trading with your life? Or are you laying up treasures in heaven? Are you acting for the instant gratification of today? Or are you saying, you know what? I'm living my life for the audience of one. I'm living my life to make God happy, to make God satisfied. I'm living my life not for the applause of others, not for the attention of others, not for the affirmation of others, not for to get something out of other people. I'm living my life to please God. And by doing so, I'm laying up treasures in heaven. Is that how you're living? Because that's how Jesus tells us to live.